We are live from the Empire of Lies, the show that brings you the truth behind the headlines. I'm Lee Stranahan, and this is The Backstory. So, Rod, hope you're doing great. Hope you had a great weekend. How did you do, Rod? I'm doing well, Lee. How about yourself? So, I'm fine. And uh, a big weekend for Donald Trump and free speech. Donald Trump is back on Twitter. That's big news. And it doesn't really matter much. But I really think that the big news is Project Veritas is back on Twitter. Would you agree with me there, Rod? Yeah, I would, I would, I would say that's uh, even bigger news because, you know, Trump grandstanding said he doesn't want to come back to Twitter. Right. Hissy fit is, I believe, the medical term. Is this medically, you were named T. Rod. Is Trump having a hissy fit? Yeah, or childish. He's acting childish, so you gotta. He's not. He's not acting his age. So he never should have been gone, and we'll talk about that. I didn't like the way Elon did it. Now, if I'm gonna quibble, I would say he had a big poll. You saw that, right, Rod? You couldn't miss it. <laughs> yeah. So he had a big poll, and millions of people voted. But I don't think a poll should be the reason a person comes back. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, you know, I was going to tweet the other day uh, that, you know, Elon Musk is a, he's a billionaire troll. So he likes, the, I think he does a lot of this stuff for fun. No, absolutely. He thought it'd be fun to have a poll, but I think a policy would be better. So people know what the policy is about free speech. If the policy is like a, an eight-year-old, I'll put up for a vote. Now again, the result I'm fine with. I'm fine. With, Trump should never have been pulled off of Twitter in the first place, is my opinion. So them reversing that for whatever reason is fine. But, you know, I'm going to point out that this is not a policy that what what I want is clarity. So I, as a person who exercises their free speech, knows what the rules are. Does it make sense, Rod? Yeah, 100%, Lee, 100%. But let's talk about the guest today. Great guest to kick off a short week. We do not have the show on Thursday because of Thanksgiving or Friday because of Black Friday, apparently. But we are taking two days off, Thursday and Friday, at the end of this week. And we have a great show today you put together for us, Rod. We have the great patriot, former CIA agent, Larry Johnson, in the first hour. Is that right? That's correct. Okay, so we got Larry, and then the second hour, the great broadcaster, Manel Chan, great friend of the show, former RT correspondent, now with Sputnik, Manel Chan, is in the second hour. And we're taking your calls, 202-521-1320, if you want to be part of our community on Rumble. By the way, have you noticed the Rumble numbers are going up, Rod? 
Yeah, we gotta we gotta keep promoting that. Lee, I forget I forget to do that. But yeah, a lot of people are interacting with us on uh, on Rumble and getting more subscribers. So let's get. I want to get to Alex Jones' statement. So let's do me a favor. Take us to the boom, Rod. You're listening to the best show on the radio. The backstory. Now, Donald Trump is restored. Veritas is restored. The Babylon Bee is restored. I have not seen the Gateway. Gateway seems to be still be off, right? Jim Hoff from Gateway Pundit is still banned, correct? Yeah, as far as I know, correct. Last I looked, he was. But these unbannings happen quickly. So I might have missed it. But not everyone is restored who should be. Gateway Pundit absolutely should be. But Alex Jones is not coming back. He's not invited back to Twitter. And I, while I don't disagree with that, I think Elon's reasoning, and I disagree with the way he did it. He also basically said, just no. He didn't explain why Alex is not coming back. It's arbitrary. And that's what I really don't like about this move. I want to know why Elon Musk is not letting Alex Jones back. Why Twitter is not letting Alex Jones back. Does that make sense, Rod? Yeah, I saw, um, I think he responded to Ian Miles, Ian Miles Chung. And um, or did you see it when he responded and said why his reasoning? No, I didn't see that. He but said, uh, yeah, go ahead. The fact that he didn't come out with immediately giving his reasoning bothers me. But good, he responded to Ian. Ian seems to have a little relationship with Elon. Yeah, on, on, yeah, uh, you know he's an influ- influential person on Twitter. I'm talking about Ian, but yeah, he was saying that uh, the, his reasoning is because uh, Alex Jones talked about Sandy Hook and you know denied these children died, and he was saying that he, you know, his I think his first child passed away and he held him in his arms dying. So that's his reasoning. But you know, you know, uh, you know, I guess Elon's taking the mainstream narrative. So I was just, you know, I don't want to downplay his child dying and his feelings towards that. Right. It's hard to. And also, Alex Jones didn't kill her child, Elon. I, I hate to break it to you, but Alex Jones was not responsible for her child's death. I've lost a child, too. And Alex Jones had nothing to do with that. So Alex Jones and, and Alex Jones, you know, has had tragedy in his life. So one of them is. He's seen the country that he loves become a place where censorship, where the First Amendment, you know, one of the tragedies in my life. I'm sad that I've lived long enough to see the First Amendment become basically toilet paper. Does that make sense, Rod? Oh, yeah, for sure. And a lot of people uh, attacking, attacking free speech, you know, vigorously, you know. Now, I thought Alex Jones had a great statement about it. Alex Jones did not freak out about this, and he did not attack Elon Musk. In fact, he defended him somewhat. So let's play the whole statement. Here's Alex Jones talking about not being let back on Twitter. Hit it. 
Department Senator Josh Hawley yesterday brought this up to the head of DHS, Morcus, and said, you're helping run the censorship, and you're surveilling the American people and telling big tech who to censor. So Elon Musk has the EU threatening him not to bring back Alex Jones and Donald Trump. He has DHS behind the scenes with a bunch of moles inside his organization. There's a question right now on whether Twitter will even be able to continue on to the future because all of the sabotage. So as I said in the last month with this buildup, I want to see Twitter freed overall first and to see if Musk can even get control of it before we talk about Donald Trump or Alex Jones being brought back. But at the end of the day, that doesn't matter. I've built InfoWars.com. I've built our syndicated radio show and TV show that reaches tens of millions a day. You've built it with your word of mouth. And we're not going to sit there and hope that Elon Musk can free Twitter. We've got Rumble. We've got Gab. We've got Getter. We've got Telegram. We've got so many other great platforms that we're going to continue to energize those and promote those and get those out to the world. Just because there's tyranny at Twitter and tyranny at Facebook and tyranny at Google and tyranny at Apple doesn't mean we can't build our own system. That's the reason Joe Rogan went to Spotify when YouTube, owned by Google, was trying to censor him a few years ago. It's not that Spotify's perfect, but they told Joe, we won't censor you, and now they're number one in podcasting, showing that free speech is what people want, and that's what is innovating, and that's what is successful. So at the end of the day, I'm betting on humanity. I'm betting on free speech. I'm betting on the renaissance. I'm betting on you and America being the leaders again of free speech worldwide. I understand why Musk did this. He's got the ADL and the Democratic Party on him. He's got the EU on him trying to shut him down right now. So don't put all your eggs in Elon Musk's basket, but support him trying to free up Twitter. And don't blame Musk at the end of the day because he didn't bring me back. I'm the most controversial figure in the world because I'm the most threatening to the New World Order. So don't expect him to bring me back day one when he has to first get control of the platform before he can even think about that. But again, I'm not going to think about Musk. I'm not going to put my eggs in his basket. I'm going to continue to build the real free open platform of the people at InfoWars.com and Mandot Video. So that's my exclusive response to Elon Musk saying no to bring back Alex Jones. My answer is that's fine, Elon. Just follow through on your promise to bring back some semblance of freedom to Twitter. Let's see if you can actually get that done. Now, uh, so I would say Alex is right on that, and that Elon, by bringing Trump back, some semblance of freedom is coming to Twitter. I, I say that I'm comfortable with that. Rod, do you agree? Yeah, no, I'm seeing less bots, uh, less spam and stuff like that, Lee. Um, so, yeah, and a lot of people are coming back that were previously banned. So, yeah, I am seeing that, you know, it's a work in progress. It's not going to happen overnight. And, you know, taking over a company as big as Twitter and, you know, uh, these engineers sabotaging the company, leaving and sabotaging parts of the the, the software or however you have it. So, yeah, it's, it's going to take time. And Alex mentioned the ADL, the Anti-Defamation League. The Anti-Defamation League, which is basically a gatekeeper if they call you an anti-semite it's over Kyrie's seen that kanye's seen that they what they do is they were formed during something called the leo frank case at the beginning of last century they were formed by the benet brith on the leo frank case and the adl have you heard about the adl and esg rod have you heard of this? No, but I'm not surprised. So Ron Coleman, who's an attorney who I know, uh, he used to represent Breitbart 
on some matters. He's a very pro-free speech person. By the way, also Zionist and very pro-Israel. So factor that in. But he is sounding the alarm against the ADL. Remember, remember ESG. ESG's the new movement to give a score for how you do on environmental and social good. If you've got a big company, they they rate you on how you are on your social issues and environmental issues. Remember that? Yeah. And it's a way of determining whether you support their right narrative. If you don't, they'll boycott you and shut down your company or threaten to at least, right? So we talked about ESG before. Well, apparently, because here comes some more letters, as if ESG were not enough. The, the BDS movement, the buy, divest, sanction movement, which is in favor of sanctioning and divesting from Israel because of Israel's perceived human rights abuses against Palestine. And I'm only phrasing it that way to be fair. I happen to agree that there are plenty of human rights abuses, but that's the way I'll phrase it for now. The BDS movement has gotten into the ESG movement, and Israel doesn't like it, and therefore the ADL doesn't like it. So they're saying the ADL needs to get involved in ESG, and I think it's BS. Let's throw in some more letters. Why not? So, Rod, did that make any sense at all? Yeah, no, that made sense, Lee. And I'm, again, I'm not surprised that uh, the ADL is in, involved with all this. You know, uh, Jeff Green died. I believe that's a guy named. I mean, he's anti Kyrie, anti Kanye, anti um, Alex Jones. You pretty, pretty much the, he hates free speech <laughs> to the core. So, you know, I'm not surprised by any of this stuff. And so the problem is. If the Republican Party were starting a movement to ban all people who were against the Republican platform, and they, so you say, well, that sounds okay, because I like the Republican platform by and large, but they could put Mike Pompeo on the permitted list, because Mike Pompeo is ostensibly a Republican. By the way, I'll talk about something I heard on Binding Means Necessary right before our show, and I don't agree with. Did you hear on Binding Means, they had a guest on, and they were talking about the Republican Party, you know, racist, imperialist, and so on, is in disarray. The part I disagree with is that the Republican Party, I don't see in disarray, Rod. Do you see the Republican Party in disarray and chaos. Is that the way you see things, Rod? <laughs> no, no. Um, I, if you look on, I looked on YouTube, CNN's YouTube page, and the last 15, 20 videos are all about Republicans and Trump leader. So this is the media wanting to cause infighting or, you know, cause a rift in between the Re Republican Party. The Republican Party has a problem with the leadership and they want to oust establishment leadership, but not 
necessarily dis, you know disarray that they're saying. No, and and it should be pointed out that the Republican Party, the people who are in the Republican Party and the base don't feel it's in chaos. They feel like they need to get rid of people like McConnell, right? That's who they want. That's who the base wants to get rid of is McConnell and McCarthy. Yeah, hundred percent, Lee. Uh, you know, we've got Carmine ready, and uh, yeah, you know, and, and you look at the 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 left media, and they they praise McConnell, McCarthy, and uh, Ronna. I think Ronna McDaniel's her name, the uh, RNC chairwoman. So you know, these three people are who they praise and are happy that they're still in power. Well, it is a Carmine Monday, so let's welcome to the show. Our guest host for today, Carmine Sabia. Hey, Carmine, how you doing, buddy? Well, you jerk. What did you I do? Call me 15 minutes after the show starts. But, you know, better late than never. So welcome to the show. Uh, you know, Carmine, let me you ask know, let me you. Know ask what they you. say, better, better late than prejudice. Do you think the Republican Party is in disarray? Do you think the Republican Party is uh, a mere shell, a, a burning hulk of what it used to be? Or do you think the Republican Party is, aside from McCarthy and McConnell, mostly unity? What do you see, Carmine? I see a strong Republican Party. I think that, um, I think that, what you're seeing is the old guard trying to hang on. You know, right. so when you look at when you look at the old guard trying to hang on, it might appear to be that that they're that they're out of sorts. But no, I think they're, I think they're strong. I think they're coming back strong, and I think that um, I think they're going to be fine, man. I think they're they're gearing up for a strong 2024. Uh, I think you're going to see a lot more House and Senate seats flip because there's a lot more available. Right. So, And the House stuff, we'll talk about that in one second. Because that press conference last week really gave my heart hope. Th that Republican press conference, the GOP hit the ground absolutely running. And I think we can look forward to a lot of action from the House GOP in the next two years. Do you agree with that, Kerwin? I do. And did you notice? Did you notice that CBS News today has confirmed the Hunter Biden laptop? And that's why the Republicans are in trouble. And I'll talk about that in a second. But let's go 202-521-1320 to the callers. And guess who's on? The great slayer of owls, owl killer. You're on the backstory. Well, I guess you didn't hear Alex's response to the latest Elon stuff over uh, Twitter, uh, what he had on his show today. You can go to Ben.video and listen to it. And he was laying into Elon Musk for basically being a front for the intelligence community um, being owned so uh, clearly owned by the, uh, the by NASA and by the defense uh, co uh, contracting industry, because Elon Musk put up um, the, the parable where Jesus is talking about 
if you hurt a child, it's better to have a millstone tied to your neck and uh, thrown from a bridge. You know, that, that his, he should have just said no and left it where it was. Now that he's trying to um, de- defend his decision, you want to go after, you got Bill Clinton still on Twitter. We know what, what flights he was on. You know, you got Hillary Clinton uh, still on Twitter. We know who her uh, first clientele were that he that uh, she was defending um, down in Arkansas. So, I the, the self righteousness of Elon Musk uh, calling out out all Alex Jones did was question a was question an event, and he has apologized ten times over for a, for any of it. You, it's either free speech or it's not. And Alex brought up that well, no. off more than he could go ahead. Wait, wait, wait a second here. He he questioned an event, yes. But come on. That was absurd. And it put families through a lot of pain. Now no, wait, no. I'm, well, let me, let, hang I'm, on, come on. Let, let me ask you a question. When you say it's absurd, do you mean the government would never do a false flag? Ever? And would ever no, pretend but, to kill innocent civilians? So absolutely. are you aware of Northwoods. Are yes, you aware I'm of not, that history? But or, Northwoods didn't happen, though. But it was planned. Northwoods didn't but actually. Howard, it, didn't. It, was, it was approved at the highest levels by the Joint Chiefs of Staff, right? It was approved. Yeah. Correct. Iraq did happen. Iraq did happen for lies. But a mass murder of children. You do you realize just if you if you sat you know down, how many to children died in Iraq. No, so Alco's got a good point. You know, a lot of children died in Iraq. Uh, you know, I, I feel boss. you. My hear, hear me, hear me out on this. Okay, just the sheer volume of people who would have to be on board for this hoax to work. I mean, if you sat down before you got on your radio show, before Alex Jones got on his radio show, and by the way, I'm with you. I think you should be back on Twitter. You're either for free speech or you're not. But the sheer volume of people who would have had to be involved in this conspiracy, conspiracy don't work. Okay, how how many people, be specific, get the number. Tell me how many people you think would be involved, because what I've noticed is the media declares something, the truth, and then they say, if you question it, we will take you out. So I do not hear any actual discussion. If you want to say it would require 100 people and explain why, okay, you know, operations sometimes require 100 people. That doesn't make it impossible. How many people covered up the laptop? What, I can tell you 53 intelligence officials. You're talking about every parent of every kid in that school. The police department, ambulances, the doctors, the first, all the first responders. You're talking hundreds of people would have to be involved in this, quote, hoax. Hundreds of people. It's, and no, well, so so the North, Northwoods, they were planning that operation would have taken no one... No one turned down Northwoods because they said, oh, gosh, we don't have the, the manpower. This will take too many people to move everybody from an airplane to a fake airplane and shoot it down. No one said, we can't do it. 
it takes 87 people, and we only have 86. So they've never let manpower stop them from doing any false flag operation. Does that make sense? It does, but you're talking about people that have lived in this town for maybe 40 years, 50 years. Their families are from this town. They're all going to be on board. Every teacher in that school, every parent in that school, all the kids in the school, and nobody's ever going to talk. Carmine, it, it, it doesn't, on, on the history of mess, mess ups in the media, it doesn't, it doesn't touch, it doesn't hit a Richter. Now, if you said to me, if you said to me that it was possible a government, and I'm not saying, I'm not suggesting this, but if you said to me it was a government operation where feds went in and did the killing, that's a horse of a different color. I don't believe also, it. Also, don't forget color. the, you know, the people with firsthand experience of this are very few. But my point, I, I don't think Sandy Hook was, I think the, the basic story in Sandy Hook was accurate. And if okay. Alex had asked me, do you think I should cover this, Lee? I would have said, I would wait until more facts come out. I wouldn't say anything about it. But what I'm saying is, Alex Jones getting a story wrong about Sandy Hook caused no children to die. Right? No. Alex the, punish Jones the punishment is absurd. The punishment, they're trying to, they're trying to bury this man. They're trying to deperson him. They're trying to silence his voice. They're trying to destroy him. And that is wrong. And that sends a message. Even if, you know, Sandy Hook is real, I believe it is. But it, it sends a message that don't you dare question anything. Because if you're wrong, we will. It sends a message. Don't you dare question anything. Because if you're wrong, we're going to end you. So um, I'm with you on that. And I, by the way, I do believe that there is a plethora of mass shootings that have been false flags. I just don't believe Sandy Hook is one of them. There we go. So great conversation. Now let's take a short break. And when we come back, the great Larry Johnson, and I'll ask him a question about some of these issues, because I want to talk to Larry about the idea of how many people at the CIA does he think, is it 100%? Does he think are compromised? Larry Johnson coming up after this on The Backstory. On 105.5 FM, AM 1390, this is The Backstory. So we're joined now by the great Larry Johnson, great friend of the show and expert on so many things. And he sure is a patriot, too. Loves liberty. Larry, how you doing? Hey, great, man. How are you, Lee? Doing great, Larry. So, remind everyone, give your resume briefly again, because, you know, former CIA, but also military. Talk about what you did in the government, Larry Johnson. 
Yeah, I've had four years with the CIA, wound up as a senior regional analyst for Central America. I spent four years State Department counterterrorism, overseeing anti-terrorism assistance training and transportation security. And then I did 23 years as a consultant. Uh, Part of my work involved scripting counterterrorism exercises for the U.S. military special operations forces. So working with people from Delta Force, SEAL Team 6, all of that. Plus, I do uh, money laundering investigations. So, so no, Larry, we're talking about Alex Jones and Sandy Hook. So let me ask you broadly, with your vast experience, you, one, I think, have shown that you understand how these operations actually work more than most of us who are just observers. So when you look at something like Sandy Hook, or like this recent claim that Russia launched a missile into Poland. How does Larry Johnson, based on your experience, approach it? I assume you don't rule out entirely the idea that the U.S. government could do a false flag. You know history, and you know about Northwoods, but you don't assume that this is a false flag. So does that make sense, Larry? I really want to know what your method is. How do you break down when you look at events? I, I How does Larry Johnson look at them? I look for inconsistencies and things that just don't make sense. Uh, let, let me give you just a recent example with respect to the, uh, the, the Ukrainian missile that was launched into Poland. Uh, I firmly believe that was a false flag. Why do I believe that? Well, once you understand that that missile that was found on the wreckage only had a certain distance that it could travel. So, um, 75 miles. So that means that missile could not have been fired anywhere from where the Russians were located. Then they wanted to put up that it was an accident, that they accidentally fired it uh, and they missed the inbound Russian missile, except the Missiles are coming from the east, flying west. They're coming from the south, flying north. That doesn't explain how a, a missile fired winds up going west. So you look, you look for those inconsistencies, top it off with uh, looking for things like, uh, you know, in this case, again, both uh, the Poles and the, and the Ukrainians were out immediately with, a, oh, this was a Russian operation. You know, the thing had barely had time to land, and they already had their story together. So it's when, when you see things like that, you know something's not right. They, Ukraine wanted no, to sir. drag it, Ukraine wanted to drag NATO into this war, and they still do, and they're going to do anything to do it. And that, that this was attempt number one, and it was sloppy. Yeah, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Well, it's a sign of desperation on their and. Zelensky has really done himself some uh, immediate harm uh, as a result of this. Uh, his his credibility—not he—he shouldn't have had any credibility in the first place. But the credibility now has has been totally shredded, uh, in part because he keeps even after the United States and uh, the, the United Kingdom acknowledged that this was not a Russian missile. I mean, what most people don't realize is. We've got satellites overhead that can detect where that missile was launched from. And they knew it. They knew it real time because they're always on the lookout for something that could be launched 
with a trajectory that could wind up threatening the United States. No, and, and notice that Biden's first statement, he talked about trajectory. That's the thing that Biden brought up. Yeah. Specifically. What does that tell you, Larry Johnson? Well, yeah, because uh, I've heard that uh, sort of the the explanation coming out of the uh, intel community is that the SAM, the surface-to-air missile battery that the Ukrainians fired, was located to the east of Lviv. And so the missile, the, the one of the missiles, the precision missiles that the Russians are supposedly running out of, coming from either the east or the south, passed over that SAM battery, and then they fired at it. I mean, again, that doesn't make sense, because why, if you're set up, you're looking ahead at where the attack's likely to come from. You don't turn your back and be looking the opposite direction. It makes zero sense. But that's the story they offered up, and most people swallowed it. Well, what makes me really angry is that even after you find out it's a Ukrainian missile, well, but this is still Russia's fault. I was like, I, I was actually staring at my computer screen. But my, I was watching it on my computer screen. And then, no, it's touching on TV, and I'm staring there, and I'm going, I, I, I can't believe this. I, I, no matter what, it's just going to be Russia's fault. It's snowing. It's Russia's fault. It's raining. It's Russia's fault. It, it's, it's, it's psychotic to me. It's psychotic. Well, their fall their fallback position was it was then going to be Donald Trump's fault. <laughs> yeah. Stranger things have happened, my man. If it's not Putin's no. fault, what are the two? One of the two. So when you look at something like Sandy Hook or or like the Vegas shooting, I part of what I say is I have not seen the government do false flags where they blame a random person. They, in the, the government, when the U.S. has clearly promoted false flags, 100%. I agree with that. But usually they do it to blame a country. Cuba did this, or Russia did this. In Sandy Hook and the Vegas shooting, they were not trying to pin it on a country. And that seems to me... The idea there is that the government would do it because a mass shooting could call for gun control. But I think it's obvious that some mass shootings do, in fact, happen. Some people are killed by mass shooters, period. And what's your take on this, Larry? Well, I was just going to note that we, we now have we have clear evidence of, let's call it two Two false flags. The first was the plot to kidnap uh, Governor Whitmer in Michigan. That was put together by the FBI, designed to specifically encourage and entrap some individuals to create and support the narrative that Trump supporters are a threat to democracy, Trump supporters are a threat to the security of the country. Followed by the January 6th, where clearly there were FBI assets in that crowd, both undercover FBI agents and people who were, let's call them recruited assets. I believe this Ray Epps in particular. It was, when you see him on videotape repeatedly exhorting 
the folks to storm the Capitol and to, and to use violence, and then he is not arrested and prosecuted, and he's protected. Right. I, you don't. You know, Helen Keller could see that he's a FBI informant. You know, you don't. You don't have to uh, to be the. You know. Some some great you know Sherlock Holmes to figure this one out. Um, so they, they they've done it in particular to generate this narrative to target Trump supporters. That is that's one of the most dangerous things that's underway right now because it's it's not just a one off. It is a consistent, coordinated effort, and it's going on around the country. And that's why you've had several FBI whistleblowers come out. And walk away and say, "No, this this can't stand because it is it's just an abuse of the bureau. The bureau, in my opinion, needs to be completely dismantled." And and Larry, l- let me ask you about the topic in general. I, I hear a lot lot of people go after Elon Musk or Alex Jones or whoever, and they they seem to want to think. They're either a good guy or Satan, and there's no middle ground. And I think in the case of Alex and Elon Musk, I think they're human beings who've done some stuff good and some stuff I don't agree with, but it's complex. What's your view of, I, I, I think it's a mistake to fall into oversimplistic views of people. I think that only benefits the bad people. What say you, Larry Johnson? Yeah, I, I fully agree with you, Lee. This is demonizing people in this way is not helpful, and yet that—that's really the power of the media. You know, the media is a poor man's version of Hollywood. If you've ever tried to pitch a movie or a story idea in Hollywood, the first question is, "Well, who's the villain?" You got to have a good villain, and. So that's what the media does. They will create a villain without any nuance, and it's got to be very black and white because they're counting on that they can just they can whip people up into a frenzy. Uh, it is, you know, I'm old enough. I, I used to do Crossfire on CNN back when there was actually reasonable discussion on two sides, uh, and that was back in the 90s. But what happened over time is increasingly the all the cable shows became so so much oriented towards the tabloid mentality that they wanted to incite a fight and they didn't care what the fight was about just as long as people were throwing punches and and words at each other and there was you know there was drama in that regard they didn't care it did truth no longer mattered nuance no longer mattered it was all about Let's just let's, let's create some pseudo violence that will entertain folks and get them to tune in. And you know, I, there's, there's things I disagree with uh, Alex Jones on, but what has been done to him in terms of his civil rights? It's the same kind of thing that the Soviets used to do to uh, uh, political prisoners. There's no difference. Uh, it, it's just where the power of the state decides to try to crush the life out of a uh, out of a citizen. And it's especially bothersome to me since Alex has done such pioneering work as exposing Bohemian Grove. You know, 
He clearly did work that's true and that's important. Exposing Bohemian Grove was an important story. Would you agree with that, that Larry? Oh, yeah. No, I, absolutely. I think, you know, what this underscores, you're in this position, how critical it is that we, we do everything we can to guard our credibility and to be, you know, both judicious in what we say or when we say it, that we make sure we got our facts all lined up. Or if we're speculating, just the point, you know, say up front, hey, I don't know. This is speculation. This is what I believe. But we need to actually get some evidence before we can draw a conclusion. There's, there are ways to present the information. But you're right. That's one of his exposing that is one of the reasons he's hated. It goes to the same reason that there's such vitriol in the, uh, against Trump, because Trump has exposed the deep state, the corruption that is in Washington. It's both. It's not confined to just one party. It infects both the Republican Party and the Democrat Party. Now, so Larry, we haven't had you on the show since the midterms. What's your take on the way the midterms went? Was there... Let me ask a broad question. Do you think it was an invalid election in any way? Larry Johnson. Yes, I, I think there, there was some genuine fraud, particularly in Arizona. There's no way to carry late loss. Uh, what, what is going on, and, and I've got this from, you know, firsthand information uh, from someone directly involved with the investigation, uh, the Democrats, have, they have put together a ballot, let's call it a ballot harvesting system that will uh, get, identify all the voters on the voter rolls, get those voters voted with pre-printed ballots and then inserted into the system. And uh, so there was definite corruption. Part of the other problem, though, was that you... Well, Larry, Larry, let me stop you there for one second, because I think you're bringing up a very good and very important point. People think it's an almost nostalgic, romantic idea. People think that people vote. That's not what's going on. It's, I will call it, factory voting. People are voted. What's happening, if you're a Republican, you may go to polls and vote. You may vote. But if you're a Democrat, you're voted for. Is that the point you're making, Larry? And do you see the point I'm making broadly? That something in our system has changed and people are voted if they're Democrats. Larry Johnson. They're using the post office is directly involved in this fraud. Um, there's a court case that I'm, I'm not at liberty uh, let me put it this way. The case is not identified as dealing with ballots, but it absolutely does deal with ballots. But what it does deal with is the post office fraud role in facilitating fraud in 2020. And it continues, it continued in this election. Basically, if you put ballots into the first class mail, but then there, there's ample evidence that they're passed through a bulk mailing facility, which is against uh, post office rules, regulations, uh, it means you can hide it and, and then insert it into the system. Most people, their first-class mail these days gets scanned and it's held in a first-class mail facility. So the part of the problem, the, 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 one of the keys to solving this problem is to clean up the post office, get the post office out of 
being the agent for delivering ballots uh, because we've seen multiple videos of ballot stuffing going on at different ballot boxes and people being paid uh, to do that with ballots. So it is uh, people, instead of voting, as you pointed out, they're just, they get their name. That's why some people show up at the polls and they're told that they've already voted when they hadn't even, you know, filled out a ballot. So this is, uh, uh, but, but there's another element here where the Republicans were taking, uh, particularly Mitch McConnell, I mean, he was taking money from Democrat actors, the Samuel Bankman Fried uh, with FTX and the collapse of that cryptocurrency scam. Uh, but, but McConnell got $2.5 million out of it. Kevin McCarthy was having money steered to him from it, and they were not using that money to support candidates that were affiliated with Trump. They actually were undermining Trump candidates. So, uh, you know, that's why I say the system is... It's corrupt on both sides. It's not just a Democrat corruption. There's Republican establishment corruption involved as well, in my view. So any questions or comments for Larry Johnson, our co-host, Carmine Sabia? Carmine? One more little question. Do you, do you, Carmine, do you agree that the election had a lot of problems? Yeah, I do. And well, network, you know, I think I think we've had a lot of problems in elections now for a while, though. That's the thing. I don't think it's a new phenomenon. You know, I think the 2020 had I think 2020 had problems. I think Maricopa County leaves a lot to be desired. It's very Maricopa County is very suspicious, don't you think? Oh, yes. Yes. Yeah, so, I mean, He's study third world, third world uh, countries, frankly, have better, cleaner elections than we had. Because they, at least, you know, the votes within 48 hours. Exactly. This By is why. Way, it, have you, have we, you been following Brazil at all, Larry? Let me ask you. Have you been following Brazil? What's happening there? Yes. Okay. So what's your take? Because we had Addy ads on Friday, and apparently he got questioned by the CIA after we had Addy on. And the CIA and State Department went after Addy, and he's gone dark. But what do you think is happening? I can't quite make it out. Bolsonaro's and his supporters think it's a really invalid election, but Lula doesn't seem to me to be supported by the U.S., and he shouldn't be, because Lula is in favor of the BRICS. He's one of the people who set it up. So what's your take on what's going on in Brazil, Larry Johnson? Well, I think that the United States has now modeled itself after the Brazilian electoral system, except <laughs> notice they, they got their votes counted faster than we did, number one. But I think there are some legitimate concerns that there was uh, cheating to favor one side over the other. But, you know, that's look, that's not even new in, in our electoral politics. Remember, John F. Kennedy won uh, the presidency thanks to the intervention of the daily folks in Chicago and, and reportedly the mob in West Virginia. So 
we're not necessarily saying that we're experiencing something new with respect to corruption. They've just come up with better ways up here to deal. I, they've had they've had problems with fair elections in Brazil throughout history. <clears throat> are they going to get away with it again, though? See, because if these results, well, I got two questions: Are they going to get away with it again? Because I believe if these results favored Republicans, or they favor every time an election takes longer than two days to announce the votes. Every time the Democrat wins. Yeah. Yeah. I believe if it was Republican winning every time the media would be all over the story. It would get blown up. They'd get exposed. And my second question to you is, do you think Republicans do it too? Or do you think it's just one party? doing it? No, I think, uh, let, let me start with your second one. I think Republicans do it too. I think Brian Kemp did it in Georgia on his first term. I think that's why Stacey, Abrams at the time, I think she believed, because she knew the system was rigged, that she believed she had it fixed in her favor and didn't count on the fact that uh, Kemp out, uh, outfixed her. So uh, the, the, then that's, I think, one of the reasons you've seen such reluctance on the part of Republican officials in certain areas of the country to really look, take a hard look at this, because they've benefited from the corruption of the system. Yep. I'm thinking the same thing, my friend. Yeah. I'm thinking the so, I mean, what are we voting for? What, why are we even voting? No, I, I don't know if uh, I am hopeful. The limit, well, we, we did get the system fixed in Florida. But then how the heck did Trump win in 2016? Uh, they, didn't, they didn't anticipate him winning. They didn't think he could do it. And so they, they didn't. didn't yeah. They believed... They believed their own nonsense that he had no way to no way to a path to victory, and so they did not take these preemptive steps that they did in 2020 to defeat him, because there's no way in hell that that Joe Dementia O'Biden is more popular than Barack Obama, that he got more votes than Barack Obama, but we're asked to believe and accept that. And it's just, you know, it's not true. It's a lie. But what, what they did was they produced, printed and produced enough ballots to make sure he'd get elected. And there's no way he was more popular than Hillary Clinton in 2016. Correct. Biden is... Uh, Biden. Well, Larry, I, I may disagree. As an American with brain damage, I gotta say, when Joe Biden was elected, I cried. Because I saw that people with brain damage could get elected. It was a historic <laughs> moment for people like me. Well, then Fetterman must I'm tearing really... a little just thinking about it, Larry. Yeah, Fetterman you're must... doing yourself a disservice there, Lee. It's just the, the brain injury you've suffered still means your intelligence is intact. Your brain is still working, that you know reality and that you know truth. Uh, the, the problem with Biden is... It, yeah, he doesn't even know where he is. Uh, nope. and, and on top of that, he's corrupt. The corruption uh, is what's telling. And just I give a quick plug for my friend, John Paul McIsaac. JP's book comes out tomorrow, uh, recounting uh, his experience with uh, get, getting the laptop from Hunter Biden and then finding himself almost uh, being targeted by the FBI because he had the audacity to call the FBI to do their damn job. And then... Now, so so let me ask this, since you know John Paul Mac Isaac, 
He's the guy who owned the computer store and had the Biden laptop and reported it. Is he happy with the GOP Congress? And what do you personally think, Larry? Because I was very happy with the way GOP leadership in the House came out of the gate and emphasized that this is not about Hunter Biden. This is about Joe Biden. What do you think of that? And what John Paul McIsaac think of that? Larry Johnson. Uh, I'm from Missouri. JP is not. So I'm on, on the show me state. I'll believe it when I see it. I've, I've heard these promises Republicans before. You know, we heard you know, all the promises about Lindsey Graham going to get to the bottom of Russia, the, the Russia collusion hoax, and he didn't do a damn thing. So JP is optimistic. Uh, and he was particularly pleased, I, I just t- talked to him today, that the CBS News finally came out and said, yeah, the laptop is legit. That's an interesting story right there, because you've got to ask yourself, why is the official media now turning on Joe Biden? This, that is, this is nothing that happened in the last two or three days. The decision by CBS to reverse course on that laptop is something that happened within probably the last uh, started thirty days ago. I think they're well, setting up to get rid of Joe Biden. Is what I is how I read the tea leaves. We've had it said on the show before, and I think it's true. What's going to happen with Biden? Because the Republicans can impeach him. They do not have the votes in the Senate to vote for the impeachment in the Senate. But I'm going to predict that what will happen is what happened with Nixon. Basically, he'll be told, step aside. And I think you're starting to see it now. What say you, Larry Johnson? I, I agree. Um, there, and now they, they've got a real dilemma because uh, with, uh, with the Republicans in control of the House of Representatives, they're in a position to block any vice president suggestion that Kamala Harris comes up with. But I think they recognize that the the vulnerability of the Democrats, it's it's not just the Joe Biden corruption with Hunter Biden, his son. This whole FTX, uh, Bankman fried scandal, this is going to blow up and it's going to do some real... You guys keep saying this, and I love you guys, but you keep saying this, but nothing ever blows up. They always get away with it. They always get away with it. The media covers for them. Why should I believe that they're not going to cover this time? We all know what the, the truth is, this story is, but why should we believe that this time is real? This time they're going to get them. Yeah, the, econo- the economic consequences from it, the bankruptcies that are going to take place, uh, and some right. public firms collapse so this- but is any actually going to get caught in doing what they did that's my question is anybody actually going to get caught uh, so they were caught i would argue that they were caught it's just a matter of the prosecutions going through and i think what there won't won't be is swift justice and you won't even see the people who deserve punishment to get it that's what you don't see. But there's going to be consequences. What say you, Larry Johnson? 
I have breaking news. Go ahead. Uh, I don't know. If, I think it's breaking news. I don't know if you guys have this. The wife of Special Prosecutor uh, Jack Smith, who was appointed by Merrick Garland, donated thousands of dollars to Joe Biden's campaign and is the producer of the Michelle Obama documentary. <laughs> uh, you know, these guys give incest a bad name. You know, they, they, they Larry Johnson, we got to go because we're out of time. But great appearance as always. Good to talk to you, Larry. Great appearance by Larry Johnson. And we'll be back with more on the backstory. Backstory, the show that brings you the truth behind the headlines. I'm Lee Strahan, and this is the Backstory. And as the Carmine Monday, joined by the great Carmine Savia, who's guest co-hosting with us today. Carmine, what'd you think of Larry Johnson? Brilliant man. I'd like to sit down and talk to him for a while. So, and we'll hear more from Larry in one second. I got a clip by Larry. Yeah, yeah, Carmine, what are you saying? I'd like my breaking news. Great breaking news. And we, we talked to Larry about the fact that CBS is now admitting the laptop is real. So let's do us a favor. You are legendary, Carmine, for doing the boom with such enthusiasm. So give us an enthusiastic boom. Carmine Savia. Are you ready? Okay. This is the backstory. Well done, sir. Okay, so let's quickly play this. Let's get to this clip. CBS was also off of Twitter because they're offended by free speech. But then they thought better of it, and they're back on Twitter. So let's play that clip. Hit it. And Musk has called for an emergency meeting for all remaining engineers. In light of the uncertainty around Twitter and out of an abundance of caution, CBS News is pausing its activity on the social media site as it continues to monitor the platform, Major. Jonathan Vigliotti. Now, why? They're afraid they're not going to be censored? What's going on there, Carmine? <laughs> they're back. I'm confused. Obviously. Uh, yeah, they were, they were gone for about, what, 15 minutes? Now, we talked about false flags. And this guy, Malcolm Nance, he is an idiot. So he was fighting in Ukraine on the Ukrainian side. And uh, he's a you know, big MSNBC talking head and has worked with the government and also bought some of John Kariakou's books. But that's another story. John Kariakou's told a story about how he sold some books at 
a garage sale and Malcolm Nance picked him up. I think that's the story. But Malcolm Nance is also an idiot. And you can hear it. Let's play a clip of Malcolm Nance talking about mangling Russian and Ukrainian history. He knows nothing about what happened. Malcolm Nance, hit it. I'm talk to you a little bit about how things used to be. How many of you are under the age of, I don't know, 40? Raise your hands. What, six of you? <laughs> God, that's sad. <laughs> Only six people watch MSNBC. They have no clue who I am, do they? <laughs> All right. Back in the oldie days, before you were born, there used to be two poles in this world, two great superpowers. The United States, where you live, I'm sorry, I'm talking to the kids, and a country called the Soviet Union, or the Union of Soviet Socialist Republics, also known as Russia. But the Soviet Union was a communist country. That's a dead philosophy, we're not gonna talk about it anymore. When Russia collapsed in 1989, right about the time you were born, they transitioned away from communism, they transitioned into a very unstable democracy. They got freedom of speech, they got freedom of the press, they got all that stuff. And about 10 years into it, Vladimir Putin and his friends who were looting the country decided they really didn't need that. What Russia needed was what Russia always had, was an authoritarian dictator. But in the old days, the Soviet Union kept power through its intelligence agencies and its internal security police, and they use these things called active measures to keep people in line and to affect foreign policy. The first was, of course, like all good spies, covert collection. Uh, connect, uh, collection. That's when you go out into the field and you recruit spies, you act as agents. If, if you don't know what that stuff is, go watch the TV show The Americans or any James Bond film that has the Russians in it, like From Russia with Love. You will get to see it all in action. As cheesy as those shows are, pretty good representations, especially from Russia with love. Now, so there's Malcolm Nash saying, don't look at history, look at fiction, look at James Bond and the Americans. That's absurd <laughs> on the face of it. Also, he's acting like after communism fell, Putin ran the country. Putin had nothing to do. Putin was driving a taxi in St. Petersburg. But the idea that that Putin was running things ignores Yeltsin, ignores what the under the Clinton administration was happening. Yep. yep. So, but but how do you like that? To understand Russian operations, watch James Bond. James. What do you, what do you think of that, Carmine? I, the absurdity of these people, my man. The absurdity. That the thing is, I. It, I wonder if they even realize or care that they're insulting their their audience. Uh, absurd. That's the only the only word I have is absurd. It's absurd. Watch a movie. Watch a James Bond movie, and you'll understand. Why not just Rocky Four? It's a much better movie. Good point. Drago. Obviously, was a minister under Putin. <laughs> or Creed Two, Creed Two. Right. So let's go nope. to the calls. 
202-521-1320. Tarif, what's on your mind? How y'all doing? I got, um, thanks for taking my call, Lee. First, I'd like to say free Jordan Sons. I have two comments. They're going to both lead into each other. It looks like I'm still shadow banned on Twitter. Um, I was hoping that I won't be shadow banned anymore, but it seems like even Elon Musk got a, like, like a glass that's keeping him going to a certain level where I feel to believe certain people as myself and maybe Jordan Sons the WikiLeaks crew and some other people still going to be shadow banned, like, uh, what's his name, Scott Ritter and others, right? It's like certain troops is going to be still kept from the public because the deep state still in power and they're afraid that they are, their power is being challenged. So I was feeling a little, you know, I'm like, man, I, I'm still shadow brand. I thought things would change, but it seemed like that's not going to change. So um, I was watching the useful idiots today by Kathy. Helpert and um, Aaron Mate, and I sent them out a comment. You know, I paid two dollars, and they they put it on the screen. You know, I was asking for them to interview me. So you never know. Maybe they might reach out to me, Aaron Mate and Kathy Helpert, and interview me. That, um, I, that that would be helpful. You know, what I'm saying notice noticing that they saw my tweet, not my tweet, my comment. You know, it was a good thing because my my case get out there. And just say Green, Miss Green, interview me. Excuse me, um, um, I testify in front of Congress. Then all hell break loose because all types of stuff will come out for my testimony. So it's, I'm, I'm hoping, praying that that happens. Thank y'all for taking my call. That's all I needed to say. Thanks, Tree. And let's go to calls to Ingrid in D.C. Two hundred two five two one thirteen twenty. Ingrid, what's on your mind? Well, on the subject of fictional films, uh, last week was the New York City Documentary Film Festival, which I was following because the Julian Assange film uh, by his uh, brother Ithaca was premiered. At the same festival, though, there was a Ukrainian topic film called Freedom on Fire. This is made by the same. Uh, uh, Kazan-born Israeli-American director who directed Winter on Fire, and this is a technique to choose these titles to be distracting to think they were in the same line as the good film Ukraine on Fire, and this film, the new one, Freedom on Fire, is about Azovstal, and as guest speakers at the film festival, they had uh, one of the Azov battalion fighters on the stage, and someone in the audience, there's one of these clips of, of heckling, stood up and cried out, why are you having this Nazi on, on the stage? So this is, this is going to be going, going around, making the rounds, uh, fictionalizing the case of the Ukrainians. I also wanted to say in the first hour when you were talking about the BDS movement, is there some jinx now or is this was just a fluke of the airways that the B and the BDS, so every, the two times that you tried to say it, it didn't come, come through. Is this now a matter of uh, censorship that you're not allowed to say boycott? <clears throat> no, yeah, that may have been just screw up saying it boycott 
Boycott, boycott, boycott. Boycott, divest, and sanctions. That's what BDS stands for, right, right, Ingrid? Absolutely. And uh, so it's probably just me. No, it's maybe it was my radio or, or something, but it, 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 you know, it. There was a blank there where you tried to say it twice, and this is part of um, the right of the First Amendment, our right to to boycott. That's yeah, just weird or- to me. Do you, do you agree with that? Do you, the the move by Israel to stop in the the boycott, sanction, and divest movement (BDS) boycott, divest, and sanction. I think it is an assault by Israel on our First Amendment. What say you, Carmine? Well, like you think, what is an assault exactly? It's an attack. Saying, I th- do you think people, l- let me put it this way. Do you think people have a right to boycott any company for any reason they want to? Do you think if someone wants to boycott Coke because of racism, I made that up, and they should be allowed to talk about that? Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. Um, I I have I have disagreements on the whole, you know, the Jewish people control everything thing, but it, especially it's not all the Jewish people. You know, a handful now, so, of really so, people. Let me okay. Since you brought that up, let me put you on a spot, Carmine. Do you think is it, it, would it be absurd if you said? If someone came on and said the Chinese control everything, I hear that every day. Apparently, the one country you can't say that about is Israel. Apparently, saying about the Chinese people is no problem. Do you agree that there's a double standard where we can talk about China, but not Israel? Absolutely. Absolutely. But they're telling us everything we're allowed to talk about or not talk about, too. Don't forget that. Well, so David. L- let me ask this. Uh, and again, I-, I don't like to call it Jewish people, but people advocating for the state of is Israel, because it's not clear to me if you're an atheist, you're not a-, a Jew, by my definition. If you're an atheist, you're also not a Catholic. If you became Correct. an atheist, Carmine, would you still call yourself a Catholic? But you, you said culturally, and culturally, you're a Catholic. I think you'd it's call not- yourself an ex-Catholic. Am I right? Correct, because that's nonsense. The, it's like I was saying about Christmas this year. You, you see all this stuff where they're like they're being sinful and celebrating the holidays, and I'm like, I mean, you guys, they, they turn this into a secular holiday, and it's not a secular holiday. And I'm sorry, I went off a little bit on a tangent there. It's a religious holiday. So yeah, that made me angry today. And but to your point, yeah, no, I agree with it. I think that I'm I'm a free speech absolutionist. So I I don't believe that Israel is this evil entity that so many people believe. Uh, but it is you know Dave Chappelle said something that had me scratching my head thinking on the Saturday Night Live when he was like you know if it's the, if it's a black group 
you would call them a gang. If it was the Italian, you call them a mafia. But it's the Jews, so there's nothing to see here, and you would destroy it if you even talk about it. And uh, I think it's, you know, it's obvious that uh, by the numbers, Jews, I think, are 2% of the population or less. Does that sound right, Carmen? Not, well, not to me, because I'm in New York, New Jersey area. But I, mean, I could see that. Yeah, there's not many of them. Here, there kind of are. And I would imagine Florida, there is Miami. Um, so I think it's dependent on where you live, but nah, I mean, I'm not totally surprised. I would have said it was more, uh, I would have said about 5%, but I'm not, I'm not stunned. Um, but, but the New York times announced an event. It was going to have Bankman freed that guy, Sam with the bad yeah. hair. Yeah. Zelensky, Janet Yellen and Mark Zuckerberg. Now, Am I racist or anti-Semitic to even notice that all four people there are Jewish by their definition? And is it my fault if I notice if they, they were Chinese? I think people would notice that they're Chinese, right? Yeah, I mean, true. And and. And then if we look at the guys who are in charge of Google as well, as and you you start noticing that these people are Jewish and you're not allowed to talk about it because if you bring it up at all, and I'm just saying it's a valid question to ask, and I think there are valid reasons. I don't think it's some vast conspiracy. But I do think it's absurd to think that when Italians came to this country, they formed a community and that if an Italian, let's say florist or butcher opened down the street, other Italians would frequent that shop. Is that absurd to think that, Carmine? No, no, I don't think it's absurd. Um, I mean, I've often wondered, I asked some questions of mine. I'm, I'm the furthest thing, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm the furthest thing for anti-Semitic. I, I love the Jewish people, but I've often wondered, Lee, nobody ever asks why they're in such, like so many of them are in such positions of power in various fields, entertainment, politics, law, medicine. They, they have these, these, these kind of ready ready to go fits for themselves. Like, does anyone the else big, notice? The big thing I think Kanye brought up is you're, you're not allowed to talk about it. And this is really what Chappelle was talking about on SNL. By the way, did you know that Kanye rehearsed with a different monologue? Had you heard that? I did not. No. What's the deal with that? When they did the rehearsals for SNL, he did not do that monologue. He did a completely different one. So he hid the fact that he was going to do that monologue. And I think that was smart of him because they never would have let him go on with that monologue. Do you agree with that, Carmen? I do. 
do. So his point was, it was not anti-Semitic. I he he did not see why we couldn't talk about it. And actually, the the other big headline that happened over the weekend is this horrible shooting in Colorado at a gay uh, club, reminiscent of the Pulse nightclub shooting. And uh, so they're trying to blame it on Lauren Bobert, and they're trying to say that there's this, you know, saying that you don't see the reason for having drag queen story hour is not the same as saying go to a nightclub and kill gay people with a rifle. Would you agree with that, Carmine? Yes, they're remotely close. And they're trying to make it out like Lauren Bobert's responsible. I don't think Lauren Bobert has ever said go to nightclub and shoot these gay people. Right? In fact, Not we've had gay now. people. We've had gay people who are opposed to the transgender oh. and drag queen Bro. story hour. Every gay Plenty person gay I know people. Every gay person I know thinks this is insane. Right. But that's inciting violence according to by the way, it's always the same people. The people against free speech, and they never, they, they never mind the hate that they're spreading towards Lauren Bobert. Does that make sense, Carmine? And it's a lot. It's it's AOC level, right? And AOC, and so it was a horrible thing. But Lauren Bobert did not call for gay people to be killed, and. Criticizing, you know, this is why they lack about the anti-Semitism thing. They say attacking Soros is anti-Semitic. But no. When you attack Soros for things he advocates for, and he does not advocate for the religion of Judaism, Soros is an atheist, right? Am I missing something, Carmine, or Soros an atheist? I think he is. I think Bernie Sanders well, is too. And they say it. Therefore, much, you know. Much. Yeah, what, what are you saying? Go ahead, Carmine. I said they pretty much admit it, right? You know, is yeah. one thing is I was. I was saying something about George Soros a few months ago, and one of my Jewish friends messaged me, and he's like, he's a liberal. And he's like, that's anti-Semitic. And I said, my friend, you have been misled. Anti-Semitic is attacking Jews as a group, but attacking one man, you can't hide behind the fact that you're Jewish. Say, hey, you can't ever attack me. I'm Jewish. And that seems to be the principle. And And by the way, they don't apply it if because I'm sure there, there are plenty of Jewish Trump supporters, but they never get defended on that ground. Do you notice that, Carmine? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If you're well, because... a Jewish Trump supporter, you get no defense. No money, no money to win your race, Sam. Yeah. Now, so the other thing we had this morning 
is the Apple store in Massachusetts outside of Boston. An SUV plowed into it. And they're asking a question, was this an accident? Here's a hint. If dozens of people are injured, it's probably not an accident. It's probably on purpose. And who are they going after? My guess is if it's an Apple store, white yuppies. But no one's saying that. Did you see this, Carmine? I did not, no. I mean, I did. So but, the Apple, but, but Apple store outside did, of Boston. I did. I did see it. I don't know sure. any details that. Right. I don't know any so details SUV, a couple of people killed and dozens injured. And I'm going to say, if an SUV does that, it's probably not an accident. I don't. Is that what you really think? For I'm sure. Wondering. Wait, say again, Carmine. I'm just asking you if that's what you think, because that's what I was wondering. I mean, because it, it's possible a, a pedal gets stuck, a car goes out of control, somebody falls asleep at the wheel. I mean, my first thought was was intentional attack. But, gosh, I don't want to believe that. I don't want to believe that. And I, I know this is a double standard, because when the guy crashed into a Christmas parade, that was... Clearly, anti-white racism to not report that the way they did. And also, by the way, let me point out that sometimes RT, the great uh, broadcaster who's also Russian-funded media, sometimes RT gets it wrong. I saw RT going after Tulsi Gabbard, and they were saying, RT, is there no such thing as anti-white racism? So what do you think of that, Carmine? Do you think there's any such thing as anti-white racism? <laughs> read Twitter, man. <laughs> read Twitter, man. I said, read Twitter, man. Of course there yeah, is. Right. Yeah, and of course there's what they they'll say the dynamic doesn't. Oh, I mean, they'll say the power dynamic that means it's not racism. So call it bigotry if you want, but it's there. I'll call it racism, but but that's nice to you, Carmine. So me do too, me a favor. Manila's online. The great Manila Chan, formerly of RT, now right here on Radio Sputnik. Take us to the boom, and we'll bring on Manila. Carmine Savia. We're going to be right back, right here on the Backstory. show that brings you the truth behind the headlines. This is the backstory. And how come there was no boom? You... What's that? How come there was no boom when you said it? I don't know. Perhaps I, I'm not as enthusiastic as you, Carmine. So you give us boom. an enthusiast. So go for it. This is the backstory. 
No, no boom. There no we go. Again. So joined now by the great Manel Chan, formerly of RT, and now right here on Spudnik, co-host of the show Fall Lines in the morning here on Spudnik. Hey, Manel, how you doing? Hello, hello. Good to be with you. It's been a while. Yes, indeed. You know, we had Larry Johnson on before, and I'm going to play a clip, clip from Larry now talking about the ladies of war. And then I'll talk to you about that, Manal. So let's go to Larry Johnson. Hit it. Western powers seemingly turn a blind eye to those apparent war crimes committed by Ukrainian forces. Some of Washington's former top officials appear very keen on justifying their own military adventurism around the world. In our case, uh, we thought Saddam Hussein had weapons of mass destruction. You're going to let that continue, or are you going to take him out? And then do the best that you can. Do we just sit back and hope for the best, or do we try to be positioned mm -hmm. in enough places with enough support that we can be a good ally to those who are counting on us? Look at the record. Uh, Democrat, uh, Democratic countries actually don't invade their neighbors. Democratic countries don't harbor terrorists. Uh, Democratic countries don't use weapons of mass destruction. In the podcast, Condoleezza Rice and Hillary Clinton explain the reasons for invasions conducted by the U.S. They criticize Russia for its offensive in Ukraine and stress how Democratic states don't use weapons of mass destruction. All of that, despite the historic atomic bombings of Hiroshima and Nagasaki by Washington, the U.S.-led NATO assault on Serbia, the Haiti invasion, as well as the failed Bay of Pigs operation by Cuban exiles during the Cold War in 1961, fully financed by the U.S. government. Now, so, Manila, there's a lot of talk by the Biden administration about democracy. But, and that clip pointed out that not only was the atomic bomb dropped on civilians at the end of World War II. But it did not point out that the U.S. firebombed many cities in Japan at the end of World War II and killed a lot of civilians. So America does not really have a, uh, you know, I think position, position to criticize any country for attacking civilians. What say you, Manila Chan? Oh, God, absolutely. America and its NATO allies are probably the number one war maker and war criminal in the world. Now, where do I start? It's that we don't, okay, fine. We haven't invaded Mexico. We haven't invaded Canada. But we invade countries way over there. It, name any place over there. We find reasons to create pretext to start a war for the military industrial complex. We entered the Vietnam War based on a bogus, phony baloney, made up, never happened Gulf of Tonkin. Laos is currently littered with unexploded ordnance that started the bombing campaign campaign that started under John F. Kennedy and carried all the way through until President Nixon. So we're talking multiple administrations, doesn't matter what political stripe they are. The United States is the number one country to pick fights with smaller 
less equipped countries. It never fights, it never goes toe to toe with a country that can fight back. Okay, so let's get that part straight. So these women, uh, I, I think I might have heard, it might have been Condoleezza Rice's voice that was saying, you know, it doesn't, democracies don't pick fights with its neighbors. Fine, if America is that beacon, that that shining light of democracy, she would be correct to say that we don't pick fights with our neighbors, but we pick fights way over there with countries who cannot fight back. So what does that say about the definition of democracy? So uh, I could tell it was Hillary Clinton's voice because you could hear the cackle. Uh, but <laughs> for these women to be such war hawks and to lie straight through their teeth, it just shows you how big and horrible the, the, the phony baloney narrative of if women were in power that we would never be in war. I would say quite the contrary because war has traditionally been uh, an industry of men. I feel that sadly the women that we elect to power that can um, help create and foment a war would have a bigger chip on their shoulder to create more war than their predecessors who were men. No, I, I think that is a good, great point. And if you think about the current conflict, Victoria Newland, and previously in the conflict, Madeleine Albright, I, 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 and even AOC is not coming out as a peace advocate. So what's going on? Is that a, a gender problem, Manila? I mean, if we're looking specifically at AOC or maybe the squad, the fraud squad, as I like to call them, they're not very progressive. They ran on progressive values. They use a lot of progressive talking points. But at the end of the day, they got corralled and and put in their place by Mama Bear Nancy Pelosi. Now, are they going to change their tune now that Nancy is stepping down? I don't know. But they fell right in line with the rest of them and signed bill after bill to send tens of billions of American tax dollars over to Ukraine to fund neo-Nazis, and they don't bat an eye. And they've never bothered to push for any, you know, anything that might help the American population, like, oh, I don't know, Medicare for all. Let's start there. Um, how much are they walking around uh, the floor of uh, on the Hill to pitch for anything like that? They're not. They're falling right in line behind every other war hawk, uh, and in this instance, it's Nancy Pelosi. I mean, she's been in the, at the helm for 30 plus years. So they fell right in line behind her. Um, so I wouldn't put this squarely on AOC. I would put this all on the squad who have not had much of a spine um, since they have been elected. And somehow they got reelected and they are still voting for more war. So, so much for, you know, the party of peace, the progressives. I, I don't see any of that action happening. And I'd say they're following in line with what Bernie Sanders showed them. Because when Bernie Sanders in the 2016 election laid down and supported Hillary Clinton, I think that was a sign of weakness. What say you, Manuel Chan? Oh, I'm with you on that one. I'm so with you on that one, Lee. Uh, the fact that Bernie could have used his voting base at that time as a cudgel to push forward the progressive agenda, and he didn't, and he didn't. That was when I think the curtain was pulled back 
on the progressive agenda to say that the American progressives do not exist. They're fake. They're phonies. They're frauds. They fall in line just like everybody else because their palms all get greased by the military industrial complex, by the big pharmaceutical companies. All their palms get greased by the same people greasing the GOP, greasing you know, the Joe Manchins of the Democrat Party, there is no American progressive. So when Bernie Sanders laid down his arms and pushed his troops to the other side with uh, Hillary Clinton, who is the antithesis of what his progressives or democratic socialists, as he liked to brand himself, the antithesis of that, that showed the American people that the American, the actual real left does not exist. And also, I'll say that the fact that this real story got buried, in fact, what the WikiLeaks dump showed, the WikiLeaks emails proved that Hillary Clinton had secretly taken over the Democratic Party to cheat the Bernie Sanders supporters out of the candidate they wanted. Is there any doubt in your mind that that's what the WikiLeaks dump showed? Conclusively, Manel. Well, I can't say I've gone through all of the WikiLeaks dumps. I mean, um, from Vault 7 and, you know, all the different titles that they give them. I can't say I've been through all of them. Um, but I can tell you just from the facts on the ground, from seeing um, how people in the American Democrat Party, how they still fawn over Hillary Clinton despite the despicable actions that she's taken while she was, the things she voted for when she was a senator, um, the actions that she took when she was secretary of state, like destroying Libya and turning that into an open slave market, um, you know, when it was a country that had 83% literacy over the course of one generation um, and was had a living standard uh Similarly, I think it's either the Swedish or maybe the Dutch. But anyway, it's crazy to think that. But at at, at the highest point, uh, Libya was comparable to the living standard of uh, uh, an EU nation. And then Hillary Clinton got her fingers on it and NATO. And this country has been decimated. And when you have a track record like that and you are considered the matriarch of the party, what does that say about your party? So whatever the WikiLeaks dumps might uh, purport to show, which you know they're they are batting a thousand as far as I know, um, but just seeing how these people still fawn over Hillary Clinton says enough for me. So I I wouldn't even need to read anything to know that these people uh, are taking barking and marching orders from Hillary Clinton. Now we had the midterms last week and almost immediately upon the Republicans being declared the winners of the House, Comer, James Comer from Kentucky and a number of Republicans did a press conference. Let's listen to Comer talking about Joe Biden and the 51 Intel officials, including former directors of the CIA coming out and lying. So let's hit it with that clip. Here's Comer talking about that. I know you're aware of this done in 2021 after the 2020 election. 
80% of voters said they would have changed their vote from Joe Biden to Donald Trump if they knew about the Hunter Biden laptop prior to the election. So literally, the suppression of this laptop and its contents could have shifted a presidential election. 50 intelligence officials signed a letter stating that the laptop uh, and the contents of said laptop have, quote, all the classic earmarks of a Russian information operation. Uh, why don't we hear from any of those 50 intelligence officers? Where's the apology? Yeah, there has been no apology. And that's something that Jim Jordan and the Judiciary Committee are going to be focused on. They want to uh, interview all 51 of those intelligence officials who signed that letter saying uh, that uh, this looked like Russian disinformation. Look, we're focused on these bank records because we have more than enough evidence based on Hunter's own text messages, emails, as well as uh, a couple of whistleblowers who were former business associates of Hunter Biden to know that Joe Biden was receiving indirect benefit from the uh, adversaries in Russia and China. Remember, yeah. when you say, what is Hunter's primary business? His primary business, to me, looks like influence peddling. Yeah. So uh, this is a very serious uh, investigation. And you look about the media. The media, they reported for two years on uh, the Steele dossier. They, they've reported on so many things that, that weren't true, that the laptop was disinformation. Right. Now that we know the dossier was false and the, and the laptop was real, yeah. you know, all they've done is criticize this investigation. Like, well, this is a waste of time. This is a waste of time. I think the media looked bad because of how they reported on this in the past, and they want us to fail. Okay. Now, Manoa, you've been in the media for some time. How should the media react now that they've covered up the hundred button laptop story. In theory, what should the media do at this point? Minel Chan. <laughs> we in a perfect world, I would love to see a whole slew of people quit or get fired. Um in a perfect world, that's exactly what would happen because your credibility has been destroyed. And but that's not going to happen, right? Um, at the very least, you if these people had any integrity whatsoever in the media, what they would do is at least issue a mea culpa, at least say, hey, I got this wrong. Uh, this, you know, here's why A, B, C, D. Here's why I, I drew a wrong conclusion. I hope you can forgive me. But we're not going to we don't see retractions these days. We just move on. The news cycle is 24 seven and there's always something else. Um, you know, somebody else's hair is on fire and you want to cover that. Trump is getting back on Twitter. You're going to go cover that. We're so quick to publish, but never quick to ever go back and clean up the messes that we made. And and that's how, you know, uh, disinformation gets spread and people still believe in Russia collusion because nobody walks back their wrong reports, their wrong statements. So in a perfect world, yes, I would love to see um, any of my colleagues out there in the media issue a mea culpa at the very least. But that's not the society that we're in anymore. That's not how people behave anymore. Nobody says, I'm sorry, I got this wrong. No contrition, no humility. That doesn't exist in American culture anymore, which is why the, the people in the East, whether it's in Russia or in China, they have very little respect for uh, Americans in general because they know that we're not a very contrite society and we don't have any humility. Um, but I think, you know, as the as the 
multipolar world begins to rise. I think American culture has to start shifting with that. And journalists are no different, right? Journalists are just humans like everybody else. That little bit of glib Americanness, um, you know, the, that hated American that travels to Europe or travels to Asia and expects a McDonald's and a Starbucks at every corner. That's a journalist too. That's, you know, that's a mechanic. That's a whoever, right? It's just part of American culture. So sadly, American culture is going to have a reckoning. um, And the, the journalists who have wrongly, either maliciously, deliberately gave wrong information, disinformation, misinformation, either they have to reckon with that very soon or at the very least, uh, the bosses who have come in, like, uh, gosh, I forget his name, the guy that's taken over uh, CNN now, Oops. but he says he's cleaning house, right? So clean house. You got rid of Brian Stelter. What about everybody else? Clean house. Right. And over at Disney, we see Bob Iger back in <laughs> charge at Disney. And I'll point out, when I worked at NBC on Access Hollywood. When I worked at NBC in Burbank, Bob Iger had a custom parking space right out in front of NBC. And he didn't run NBC. He was running this studio down the street, Disney. Isn't that interesting that Bob Iger has space at NBC? (laughs) Well, all I mean, he's... Bob Iger, right? I mean, he's running, he's running Mickey Mouse, right? That's Mickey Mouse works for Bob Iger. So no, I'm not, I'm not that super shocked. I mean, as far as the entertainment industry, you know, I'm from Los Angeles. So um, there are certain names that are floated around the media industry who basically have um, an express pass wherever they go. Bob Iger is one of them. Um, The other, the other Bob Chapik, that uh, just suddenly was ousted yes. yesterday. Um, yes. Clearly, that was a whole botched handling um, with their how they he politicized Mickey Mouse. He politicized Disney World um, and and tried to go toe to toe with Ron DeSantis, um, whether it was over COVID or over you know uh, LGBTQ plus. Um, reforms or whatever that were happening in in the state. I mean, obviously, I don't live in Florida and I've never been to Disney World, um, but I've never seen Disney become politicized until this point under Bob Chapek. So I don't think um, it should be a surprise that someone like the other Bob, Iger, uh, was going to be ushered back in and he would have, you know, express parking, VIP parking everywhere he goes um, because he's a very powerful man. so I, I saw the sh- Disney shares just soar this morning um, with the announcement that Iger was coming back in. So, yeah, when 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 you control the probably one of the most powerful brands in, in the world, um, I'd imagine you get pretty good parking wherever you go. <laughs> yeah, and world history, the Disney brand. You don't get more iconic than the Disney brand. Carmine Sabia, do you have any questions or comments for Manil Chan? We may have lost Carmine. So, Manila, 
What are you You're stuck with me, Lee? Oh, oh, gosh, I'm sorry. I, no, no, I'm sorry. I had you on mute. I had you on mute. Uh, no, I was asking you, do you Hi, think Carly. that Iger's... Hi, how you doing? Uh, I was asking, do you think Iger's actually going to save Disney, or has it gone too far to the woke end to even come back at this point? I, I don't know. Bob Iger, I mean, gosh, he's such a respected man in both entertainment and, and theme parks. Um, I, well, I think I would say he can. It, my answer is just look at the properties. Aside from the entire catalog of Disney and all those animated films and the Pixar films, mm -hmm. they also control Star Wars and Marvel. Yes. So I'm going to say on the basis of those being some of the most popular things in the history of entertainment, they're going to be mm -hmm. okay. What say you, okay, Manal? Well, yeah, I, I think part? he can. I think he can. I mean, the the shareholders obviously believe in Bob Iger because, like I said, they the shares just skyrocketed on the announcement that Bob Iger was back in the building. Um, and, I mean, under Bob Iger, we saw the expansion of Disney. I mean, all over Asia, right? There's, what is there, like two in China, one in Japan, Um one in France, all this stuff opened up under Bob Iger and he was able to very carefully keep the brand out of politics. And I think that is where the other Bob Chapik went wrong. Nobody, I mean, yes, that's fine. You can support LGBTQ and all of that, but you don't have to wade into politics the way the second Bob did. Um, so I think that was kind of a debacle on his part by trying to go toe to toe um, in Florida with with Ron DeSantis. So with the old Bob back in place, I think he can bring this back. I mean, they, they refused to make the other pirates of the Caribbean because of the whole Johnny Depp thing. And they were, they effectively sided with Amber Heard before the verdict came. And when the verdict came, it showed that she was violent towards her husband, that violence towards husbands happen. Women are violent sometimes to their husbands. It's not always just the man. She behaved in a weird, crazy manner. But you know what? She effectively lost him a $20 million contract to make another Pirates of the Caribbean movie, which was wildly, wildly successful, a super successful franchise. And Bob Chapek decided not to make that movie, and they kicked Johnny Depp off of that boat, pun intended. Um, but that, now, it, now, that, that will never I be successful without him. I think you want to watch out because... It's well known. Carmine is dating Amber Heard. Isn't that oh. right, Carmine? That is true. That's what I heard. Do you have waterproof sheets? Oh, jeez. <laughs> that is true, though. I, I, I admit it. There's, there's evidence in court. You should be, you should be very concerned. I watched the trial. Yeah, but, about let's I say you, Carmine. Would, would you date Amber Heard? Well, I would force her to wear the pens. You know, I, I'd make sure yes. she had the pen. You know, it, it's, it, would you date Amber Heard? I don't know. Depends. But boom. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I like it. I like. It. I don't know. Somebody else. Uh, somebody else dated her and and made her a mom. So I guess she's got some somebody else's poop to be cleaning up now. Now, so <laughs> what was your what was your take on the midterms? Uh, I'll leave it as an open-ended question, Manila. What did you think? 
Do you think the Republicans, I, I think they won. I think that they succeeded in doing what I wanted, which is they took over the House. And I consider that a victory. What do you think about the midterms, Manel Chen? Oh, yeah, they, they did. I mean, they won one of the chambers, right? I mean, I was expecting them to win both, so I was a little surprised by that. Um, I don't have any any uh, skin in the game for, you know, the, the what I call the political duopoly. Um, but I do find it humorous and at least amusing that the Democrat liberal media keeps trying to spin it in that, well, the, the Republicans didn't really win because they didn't win as much as they thought they were going to win. So we still win. No, you didn't. You didn't. Numbers are numbers. Right. You lost the House. It is a zero-sum game. It's ones and zeros. There are winners and losers. You didn't win. But the media tried to still run cover and still tried to spin it like, well, really, it's a win for the Democrats because they were they only had their butts kicked a little bit. They weren't totally now, slaughtered. I've, no, I've a loss is a analogous. loss. Take the L. So I view the analogy here to Ukraine-Russia war. Because the media keeps saying Ukraine is winning, but clearly Ukraine is not winning. When you've lost 15% of your country, I would say that's not a win. But are you seeing the same thing in the media reporting on Ukraine and Russia, where they keep lying and saying Ukraine won and the Democrats won? Big winners, right, Minnow? <laughs> Well, of course, Lee. I mean, this is the same stuff um, that Noam Chomsky wrote about in manufacturing consent. The media is complicit in ginning up support for the war so that way we can continue to blindly give all of our money and all of our own arms away so that this country and our own borders are not protected um, to continue to give it away to a country way over there that creates no no existential value to us and against another country that causes you know, for those two they're existential to each other Ukraine and Russia but not they don't impact us directly so what the media is doing here is the same as what Noam Chomsky wrote about 40 years ago in manufacturing consent the role of the media in this case has gotten more blatant more obvious and more despicable because they are gaslighting us. Even though we have the evidence and we can see it, you can follow groups and Telegram, you can see the what's actually happening on the ground, like frame by frame, minute by minute. And despite that, the media, the mainstream media is going to keep telling you that Ukraine is winning. Battles are won and, you know, battles are battles. That's not the war. It's not, it's not over till the fat lady sings. There are going to be losses here and there. But the media has effectively done what they were supposed to do, which is run cover to manufacture consent, just like what Noam Chomsky talked about 40 years ago. It's happening now, more bold, more broad, and more ballsy than ever, than I think Noam Chomsky could have imagined 40 years ago. They are gaslighting and so, us and telling us not to believe our own eyes. Manol Chen, let me ask you for conjecture for one moment. I am increasingly of the opinion that the people saying Zelensky is on coke or some drug, because 
he keeps showing erratic behavior and keeps showing erratic behavior that even the U.S. is worried about. I'm increasingly think he might be a drug addict. What say you, Manila Chan? Feel free to push back, but that's just my <laughs> personal opinion because of well, his continued erratic behavior. I I don't necessarily know if the drug thing is true. We don't have it right in front of our faces like, say, Hunter Biden, who we've seen, you know, just videotaping himself in bathtubs smoking crack. We don't have, you know, uh, the smoking crack pipe like we do for Hunter Biden. Um, we have speculation that he does. And he was an actor. Right. So and, and we you know, Lee, Lee, you and I both lived in L.A. We know actors tend to partake in stuff like that. But that aside, we can't confirm. So put on my journalist hat. Can't confirm that. But what I can tell you is people start acting erratically when they become desperate. And to me, what I look at and see with Volodymyr Zelensky is he is a desperate, desperate man. And uh, Minel Shan, doing a great job as a journalist. And I expect fairness from you. And I got it. So that's thank you. Again, it's my take. It's, it, I didn't buy it at first, but now I see so much erratic behavior on Zelensky's part that I kind of do. So great job, Carmine Sabia on Carmine Monday. Thanks so much to Larry Johnson and Minal Chen. We'll be back tomorrow on a short week here on the show that brings you the truth behind the headlines. I'm Lee Stranahan. This is Backstory. Thank you.